Hi, yes, friends, on a Thursday, it is the One Giant Podcast, OGP, coming to you with your host, me, Adam Armbrecht, him, Andy Makowitz. No time to spare. We said this yesterday. We'll say it again. There's a lot to get into here, Andy. We'll break down a couple of the additional moves that were made by the Giants on the Friday show. But this felt like uh, as pro days are really ramping up here and we're seeing kind of how Joe Shane and the Giants are approaching the idea of looking at draft prospects, had to get into what I think cannot be an overlooked scenario for the New York football Giants when it comes to the NFL draft and considering maybe a QB here. Yeah, I mean, Adam, there there's a lot in, in terms of what the Giants have been doing. They've been getting busy and active. You, you saw um, a Giants contingency at Pittsburgh's Pro Day looking at Kenny Pickett. Then they moved over to, to Liberty, drove the five or six hours, wanted to check out Malik Willis, then moved on to Iowa State. Uh, a couple different players there. Uh, the tight end from Iowa State is definitely one that's kind of moving up people's boards. And so it's good. You know, the old regime, listen, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs don't need to send people to Liberty to be able to scout out Malik Willis because I think you're probably pretty good at quarterback for the next few years. You're not really going to be fooling anyone. But mm -hmm. but for the Giants, who have holes across this entire roster, have questions at quarterback, it does make sense, even if you're just doing your due diligence, to be going to these different pro days and get as many of these in as you can. Of course. Yeah. Listen, we, we talked about it with the running back, right? Walker, who's going to is going to be a second round pick somewhere in there. The Giants going to spend that high of a draft capital. Well, a lot of things can go on for them, right? They could trade James Bradbury still. Saquon Barkley could end up somewhere else, right? So all of these things are going to impact what they look to do on draft day. And that's why I think when you have the holes, like you said, on the roster, you have to try to cast as wide a net as possible so that when you come up at any point in the draft, you get to say, oh, yeah. I've got, uh, yeah, I got tape on him. Oh, yeah, I went and saw that player, right? You don't want to get caught off guard, something that I would say the man who shall not be named may have locked himself into a trash where you go, we're taking the gold jacket wear. And you go, what about X, Y, Z? And you go, well, I didn't go look at those guys because I saw him and I said gold jacket wear, so I actually don't have all the information I should. And in that regard, feel free. Yeah, chime in there. We all get upset. No, no, it, it, <laughs> it just feels very different. And, and it's because of Joe Shane and his background and where he comes from. Yep. Joe Shane said it when this when we're talking about as, as a as a GM prospect, right? The fact that this is a dude that's a grinder out on the road looking for the talent. Yeah, when you look at like senior day, you know the the pro days and all senior senior bowl and everything else. Joe Shane lives to be at these colleges and universities, uncovering the right talent for their team. And you could tell this is his vision and his approach is to leave no stone unturned and to really get into the nitty gritty. He likes to get his hands dirty in terms of talent evaluation, where. I, I think it's fairly safe to say that Dave Gettleman was not of the same mindset. No, obviously the guy's a fool and Joe Shane is cool. We can, we can coin that probably trademark it. The uh, draft scenario that we want to get into then though, is you're looking at these prospects and you said they went and took a look at Kenny Pickett. They went and looked at Malik Willis and of the quarterback class this year, obviously Malik Willis is the darling of the combine and of pro day because he's showing off all this talent. He clearly has a big arm on him. We know that he can be electric with the ball in his hands as well. So let's think about it. If Malik Willis is being regarded as a potential franchise quarterback, shouldn't the New York football giants be considering drafting him as their next franchise quarterback at the top of the draft? Well, let's take a second here because sure. I think you and I have this lens of, you know, Daniel Jones, fine last year. Let's kind of see what he, what he's got. 
I know that you already believe that he's got one foot out the door. He probably isn't going to get re-ups for a second contract at any point. And so, like, you know, drafted by a different regime. But we still think that he could be a competent quarterback, a back-end starter in this league regardless. He has no ties to Joe Shane and Brian Dable. You know, when they came in, they basically said, yeah, we see Daniel Jones as the future. We also see Saquon Barkley as the future. These are our two core guys that we love. There's been rumors swirling about whether they'll trade Saquon Barkley for a late-round pick to get that that cash cap savings that I know that you're, you're thinking about, Adam. Oh, yeah. But honestly, the Giants have no reason to have any loyalty to Daniel Jones, right? And so if that's the case, you look at Joe Shane and Dayball, and the reason for their success is squarely in Buffalo around the development of someone like Josh Allen, right? Like they found their franchise quarterback and they developed him to the point where the Buffalo Bills right now, as today stands, are the betting favorites to come out of the AFC just in in general, full stop. So if they're doing their talent evaluation and they think Malik Willis has the arm talent, has the athleticism, has comps to Josh Allen or has comps to whatever type of quarterback they want in the building, Mm It stands to reason that it, that if Malik Willis is, is there at five, the Giants could pull the trigger and select him with the fifth pick, as opposed to what everyone else is saying is, is you know trading back to another team that needs a quarterback. Of course, and so when we look at Malik Willis as a profile, right, and we want I want to try to try to put this in a little bit of context here. He grades out at, at on NFL.com as being a six point four one prospect, which is going projects to be a good starter within two years. And that's kind of what we talked about, like what everyone's saying about these quarterbacks in this draft class is, well, maybe they're going to need a little bit of seasoning, learn some things, but they can get there. What I wanted to throw out to you was there's a high profile guy who just had a big performance this past offseason, obviously elevating the Cincinnati Bengals to a big Super Bowl appearance. And that was Joe Burrow. Now he came out with a 707 prospect grade, and that's projected to be a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Looks like that is coming to fruition. But if I told you now, relative to the fact that Malik Willis is a 6.41, do you know a quarterback that recently came out of the draft as a 6.45, just marginally, fractionally above Malik Willis, that I'll give you the hint, he was much more highly regarded just from an overall prospect standpoint and when they thought he could be an impact player, you know who that might be? Mm, That's a good question. I am going to go with... Tua Tungavailoa. Oh, I like where your head was at, but Justin Herbert. Ah, once highly regarded, class, yes. possibly sought after by the New York football giants quarterback already within his, within the start of his NFL career. It looks like he's proven he's on the right path forward. I'll throw out just a couple of other numbers here, by the way, Kenny Pickett, who everyone regards to be someone who can come in, going to be the, the pro ready, pretty solid floor. Don't know what his ceiling could be. He's a six, four, one. So he's right in the same class there with Malik Willis. Kyler Murray was a 6.8, marginally better, right? Going to be a what's regarded as a week one starter. There he is. And there's some comparables in terms of athleticism. Malik Willis, more athletic. Malik Willis, a little bit taller. Malik Willis, a little bit bigger of an arm, right? And then even if you want to keep it in the building, Daniel Jones did come out as a 6.3 starter. Uh, and that's someone who projects to be eventually a plus starter in the league. So all these things, my point being, it's like apples to apples, We've talked about this draft class and this this QB crop gets regarded as, yeah, not quite though necessarily, but you're not that far off, right? You are only developmentally away from being a potential Pro Bowl quarterback. And I think that sometimes when you dismiss the way we think about a QB group, it makes it sound like, well, these guys are all journeyman quarterbacks in the NFL. No, 
I think it just comes down to where they get drafted, the system they're running, and who is developing them as a quarterback. And if you told me that this was still the Dave Gettleman regime, I might be terrified that they draft Malik Willis and break him, right? But, but if you're the New York Giants now, it feels different. But but it, yes, and, and think about Daniel Jones and Justin Herbert go in the middle of the top 10, right, Adam? Like that's where, where they dra- get drafted. Basically, this draft is just slightly different because there's not a clear-cut overwhelming number one quarterback that you go after. You just mentioned Kyler Murray. When he came out, everyone's like, yep, he's going to go number one for sure, right? Then you look at like last year, Trevor Lawrence. Yep, he is the clear-cut number one overall guy. 7.4, by the way, perennial all-pro regarded. So he is one of those unicorns at the position, you'd say. Right, exactly. And he projected to be one of those guys. And so when they're talking about the cream of the crop, the absolute like, Give the guy a gold jacket, like Dave Gettleman likes to say. There's not one of those guys in the draft. But when you talk about Justin Herbert, you know, you talked about Daniel Jones. There, there are still quality potential starters in this league with upside. And Malik Willis seems to present that with his athleticism and his arm talent and his ability to scramble. And look at what's happened to Malik Willis since since he's been, uh, you know, since this season at Liberty. You know, he had good stats at Liberty. Goes to the to the Senior Bowl shows up, shows that athleticism on a couple of crazy runs and passes. People are like, look at this guy. Then he goes to the combine and he does everything that you want him to do at the combine and more. And then, you know, at his pro day, people are wowed by all the throws. And I know quarterbacks all look great in, in shorts and a t-shirt launching the ball. But again, he hasn't done anything since he's played at Liberty to be like, this is not a potential top five pick. And yeah, 100%, by the way, right? Like, this is a part of it. If you come from a smaller school or if there's some little questions, then every the second that these mistakes start to show over the course of the combine and pro days and everything after the, after your season ends, that's how you get reduced down. That's how you get, you know, looked at as not necessarily being a franchise quarterback. Malik Willis is only checking boxes. He's not leaving anything unchecked in terms of what you want to see from him. And incidentally, when it comes to just two points, one, Trevor Lawrence, you can see even with the prospect grade that he gets given when you get drafted, by a disastrous franchise, it looks like they're going to try to turn things around here with a terrible head coach who's already gotten run out of town. You see how quickly you go, I tell you what, friends, we're not too far away from breaking this kid, right? As good as a prospect can be, it's only a bad regime that can run a really talented quarterback into the ground. And do you know, my friend, what the profile grade for one Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills was when he came out in the NFL draft? I Just the way you're saying it, I'm guessing it's a 6.41, Adam. A 6.40, my friend, just uh, marginally behind I Malik Willis. And, and to that point, right, of just saying, if you like a prospect, if you think his skill set fits your system, you can look at him and say, is it going to be year one, just like with Josh Allen? Maybe not. But when we get to year number two, we're going to be looking at a guy we think we can have big, deep playoff wins with. And on that basis, go ahead. I was just going to say, so let's just say, for argument's sake, the Giants love all the comps to Malik Willis. He yes. is the guy at five. They decide to pull the trigger. Joe Shane, Brian Dable have their new franchise quarterback at five. We still have that seventh pick in the draft, Adam. Does, you know, we've been talking about offensive tackle, edge rusher, sauce Gardner at nauseum. Mm-hmm. Do, does, if they go with Malik Willis at five, does that change what they're looking at, at with the seventh pick or what they want to do with the seventh pick in, in your mind? Well, yeah, so it's interesting, right? We talked about how uh, Cross seems to be coming up in the Giants' eyes or some, you know, uh, 
some, uh, excuse me, scouts are profiling around the league saying, well, he played in an air raid system. So when you say, well, we, you know, his run blocking may not be the best. It's really just a lack of a sample size that could be knocking that down. So now you're talking about the top of the draft that you could have Neil cross and Aquona as being viable options. So when everything shakes out here and the giants take Malik Willis at five, potentially probably one of them is going to be there. And I do think that, if you're going to be resetting your franchise quarterback timeline and you draft him, you'd love to. You'd love to have the next thing you do, shore up the right tackle and say, hey, now we have our bookends and our rookie quarterback and we're ready to run here. In this scenario that maybe that works or doesn't work out there at seven, you can talk about looking at a cornerback. I think that the cornerback class is deep and we're going to get into that here as we work towards the draft and some other options. Edge rusher though, with the injury to Ojabo, everyone's profiles coming up the board. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state is coming up the board. So edge rusher might be the right thing to do there. I think the real impact for the giants would be to say, if the right player is there at seven offensive lineman, edge rusher, we take them, we feel good about it. And then at 36, I think that the impact would be, are there some trade down options here? where we can kind of give ourselves a couple extra picks like you and I talked about wanting to get a wide receiver, wanting to get a tight end. If you start to think about running back, right now that we have our franchise quarterback, we want to make sure we get some weapons right alongside to grow with him. And that would probably be the tweak that I would see. It's like, how do we get more draft capital to make sure that we get another, you, you would have to almost want to get a wide receiver, want to get a running back in the room. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the best answer, and everyone's been saying this, if we went Malik Willis at five, I think trading back at seven just makes even more sense because what you're saying, you're basically signaling, you're waving light flag on Daniel Jones, which we'll get into in a second. You're basically saying, we're going to go with Malik Willis when he's ready. Maybe Tyrod Taylor is going to be taking the reins until he is ready. And, and and this season is absolutely a lost season. Even when Joe Shane says, like, you don't rebuild, you just retool and reload and you're competing. Like, this season would be completely lost for the Giants as they develop Malik Willis. At that point, keep getting more assets under management. And if you trade back, I don't know, to say 15 from, from seven and someone loves Kenny Pickett, you start looking at a guy like Trevor Penning where you can still get your offensive tackle that you like. Maybe you trade even further back and you look at um, Zion, the, the guard, if you want to shore up another another spot and kind of punt um, things for, for this season. But I think sure. you know falling back at seven and, and accumulating more draft capital makes a ton of sense. And you don't necessarily need a first-round pick for next year if you go with Malik Willis because you're out of the quarterback race for C.J. Stroud or anyone else and you've addressed that quarterback position a year earlier than some of these QB needy teams. And that's a big part of it too, right? Cause we've talked about where, well, if you can trade back and get the extra assets, you can go up the board next year. If you need to, that no longer is a, is a concern. And you can think about teams, you know, uh, the green Bay Packers are going to maybe need to make sure they secure the weapon to replace Devonte Adams for Aaron Rodgers. there. We know the big trade with the Kansas city chiefs sending Tyreek Hill to Miami. So are they looking, you know, they have now an extra pick there that they can work with. So there's going to be certainly options to do there. I, that, that's where I think, again, it comes down to prospect profile, right? If one of these tackles is the lockdown stud needs there, I think you're comfortable doing it. But to your point, if, if you're debating about whether or not it's edge rusher, cornerback, or trading down, I think you feel really good about trading down in that scenario and getting those extra pieces, multiple twos, extra threes, all in this draft class so you can really address as many needs as possible. The other question, though, is quickly here on that. It, if you are the Giants and you're saying that you're willing and excited to take Malik Willis as your next franchise quarterback, if you're willing to take him at five, 
are you willing to move up to get him? If there's some speculation that, hey, the Detroit Lions, they're considering, you know, they're, they're throwing it out there. We may like him at two. Are you willing to give something to go up the board to make sure that you get Malik Willis? Uh, I There's a simple answer to this for me. There is no, there's almost no amount of capital that you can give up if you love a guy franchise as quarterback, your, franchise quarterback. Yeah, like, right? like, like there, that's there's, what we're talking about. There's 30 starting quarterbacks in the league. I would argue that there's probably only 10, maybe 12 franchise quarterbacks in the league. And if you can get your I'd, hands, I'd, I'd argue there's not 32 uh, starting quarterbacks right. in the league, right? There's, like, <laughs> there's probably 18 starting quarterbacks, an, another bunch of 12 that are like, there's not a better option. But but look at what's happened with Russell Wilson and how much they gave up. Look at, I mean, Deshaun Watson with all of his off-the-field issues still gets mo- like tons of first-round picks. There's just not enough draft capital that you can give up if you're saying, I've got the quarterback figured out for the next decade. Like That is the hardest position to figure out. So while I think that there's holes across the roster, things start looking really, really good in terms of development when you find the franchise guy. Look at look at the Los Angeles Chargers. They draft Justin Herbert, and like things start falling into place, and they they need offensive linemen, they need another weapon, they need a defense. They just go out and get all that when they have cap space because they have a rookie franchise QB under management. So my, while I don't want to consolidate and move up necessarily for a franchise quarterback – if the Giants acknowledge that Malik Willis is that guy, chips are all in the center. You can't just dip your toe in and say, he's our franchise guy if he falls two places to us. Like, that's just not how it works. And, well, and this is always what I talk about. We talk about it all the time when you go, oh, God, you love that player at 12. And you're like, they drafted him at nine. Boy, that's a little rich. Like, can it be, can it be rich? Can it be rich if you if you love the player at any position? They're like, oh, boy, is that real draft? I Like, it doesn't matter if the guy is a player. If you think he can be a big piece to what you want to do, that's all that counts. I'm not telling you take a guy rated 50 at seven, but, like, within reason, you have – this is what I talked about this yesterday with uh, with a buddy of mine off off a podcast about when you look in, in in a given round and they say, well, here's the f- number one rated prospect, here's the thirty second. Okay, it falls in the hierarchy of positional needs, et cetera. It doesn't mean that you are fractions away from saying, well, that's five and fifteen, that's nine and twenty, right? Like some of these things we talk about rankings can become a little bit arbitrary. Now, the interesting thing here then is as we talk about. The Giants go with Malik Willis. They do what's necessary to get their next franchise quarterback. Uh, What is the impact to the New York football Giants? Because as we know, Joe Shane sits here and he says, I don't want to take on dead cap money. I want to make sure that we can work this. And by the way, I just real quick on a side note here, envisioning the idea of Tyrod Taylor being in place as the bridge quarterback ahead of Malik Willis as he develops for his rookie season. Gosh, isn't that a bit of a chef's kiss scenario right there? What becomes of Daniel Jones, my friend, who sits there and, and understands my journey has come to its conclusion with the New York football giants? Well, what's interesting is, you know, Tyrod Taylor, 6'1", 220, 225. Malik Willis, six foot 225. Like, weird how they profile. They're both athletic quarterbacks. You know, well, just just strange how that would how that would fit. I mean, like we said before, whatever you think of Daniel Jones, if this is what Joe Shane and Dayball decide to do, yep. then clearly that means that Daniel Jones will not be on the roster for very long, presumably even gets traded on draft night or, you know, right after this move move happens. And the reason why is twofold. One is he's only on a one year deal right now. He would cost $22 million in, in terms of picking up his fifth year option. He would cost almost $30 million to franchise him. You, you would basically be saying Daniel Jones is not long-term. You already have, a, a competent quarterback in Tyrod Taylor under a contract for the next two years. 
What I think would happen is they would immediately look to trade Daniel Jones for a late round pick. If they could get a sixth round pick for him from another team, you'd probably take that because the big thing is then the Giants would end up saving about half of his salary for this upcoming year, about $4 million and have $4 million in dead cap. And we know that Joe Shane is hellbent on making sure that they free up cap space to be able to make this roster and turn this roster over. You'd be resetting the clock on, on the quarterback. And when you have to pay him big money, you'd be able to save 4 million in the short term. And you're moving off this limbo year with Daniel Jones. Oh, of course. And remember if they outright release him, it's the full dead cap hit number just north of $8 million. And to your point, you're not saying, Andy's not suggesting, we're not suggesting that the Giants go, hey, who's players in the market for a quarterback? It's saying, hey, you got a seventh round pick? You know, we talked about this before we got on, right? You, have, We have a late seven and you have an early seven, right? Or you have a late six. Great, let's swap those picks and I'll send you Daniel Jones. Let's get that $4 million off the books, minimize the dead cap and move forward here. And by the way, the scenario where Daniel Jones just sits on this roster, like, yes, yeah, so be it, right? He ends up just kind of being a guy that they carry for the year. The bottom line would obviously be that you're moving on from him and you're moving forward with Malik Willis. And to that extent, while I, I'll, I'll go right back over top of my words, if you draft Malik Willis, you do whatever is necessary to move Daniel Jones off this roster because you just don't want it on there. You don't want anybody from the previous regime or any quarterback hanging over the head of your new rookie. I listen, man, I, I, I'll ask the question direct here because we're, we're, we're presenting a scenario, the what if, but with everything that you've seen from Malik Willis, we're talking about the draft profile grades showing that he's equivalent to what Josh Allen was coming out just from a prospect grade standpoint, let alone the skill set. Do you want Malik Willis? Like, do, do you sit here right now and say like, Hey man, I, like we've been kind of looking past it a little bit because ah, the Giants aren't quite there yet, or these prospects aren't as high as they should be. But with everything that we've highlighted and talked about, and the way he's looked at the combine, the way he looked at his pro day, go back and you watch his tape, even at a small school like Liberty. Do you want the Giants to draft Malik Willis? My answer is no, I don't, and it's tough because every me saying no is going against every logic and all history of quarterbacks that have been in Daniel Jones's position, right? Like, so by me saying no and me having this, this biased belief that Daniel Jones can still be a top 15 quarterback in the league, it, it blinds me to the idea of, of moving on. And, and that's the challenge that I have. Any quarterback that has had their fifth year option declined like where it's even a question mark, yep. like the team doesn't regret it. Like you look at Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, all these guys got their fifth year's options basically declined and they went in free agency and they basically had to go be a backup somewhere else. That's what I think will happen to Daniel Jones. If he doesn't show up and show out this year, I just, I, I am too sentimental about Daniel Jones. Cause I do believe he has the ability to be a good quarterback and I just don't want to reset the clock yet. But I know it's probably the smart thing to do to get younger at the quarterback and start the rebuild now as opposed to next season. Yeah, and this is so. Uh, this is what I'm going to say to you because we know there's guys like C.J. Uh, uh, Stroud's going to be coming out next year, maybe a Bryce Young, right? A Will Rogers. Like there's there's players that you're going to look at, and, and you're also going to be comparing Malik Willis or Daniel Jones to those guys as well. Here's what I would say, you know, again, if you like one of those prospects next year and you really know, hey, that that one of these guys is exactly who we want. That's fine. But my rebuttal to you would be that at the end of the day, if you look at Malik Willis as being say, say that the, the, the Giants and Dable and Shane say we do, you know, we like Daniel Jones. We think that we could develop him into a plus. He said top 15 quarterback. 
Now we look at Malik Willis and we think that we can develop him into a top 10 quarterback. And Malik Willis is three years younger than Daniel Jones. And Malik Willis isn't going to cost us 20 plus million next year, 20 to 30 million next year on a contract extension, right? From that standpoint, it'd just be saying, hey, let's make ourselves a little bit better at the position. Let's reset our timeline here and let's go forward with them. Now, again, you have to acknowledge it isn't just, well, let's get younger at the spot and see what happens. You have to have a conviction around what Malik Willis can develop into. But if you believe that he can, I think you, you have to separate that nuance of saying I still just because I may still like Daniel Jones as a, as a QB quote prospect kids going to be 25 years old, right? Like we're beyond the point of being a prospect. If you don't show the growth, we know about the Giants have been as a team, but if you don't show the growth like Josh Allen did taking the big leap from year one to year two, right? Like Justin Herbert has already shown, like Kyler Murray has already shown all the like Tua has already shown, right? All of these quarterbacks in all different sets of circumstances have all already showcased their impact on the field for their team, let alone going to the extension of Joe Burrow, right? Daniel Jones has never flashed that even, even in, you know, in a couple of moments, moments or instances or over a three game stretch, the time might be now to move on. I am, you know, at the end of the day, I'm actually yeah, but- shocked that the Malik Willis to the Giants isn't getting more steam based on even just the timeline, Adam. And this is what I'm going to leave you with. What, like, think it, let's play this out. There's two scenarios. One is Daniel Jones plays this out on a rebuilding team, they're very mediocre. And they have to decide whether they franchise him for $30 million or they restart the clock all over again next year and have to spend two or three first-round picks to go get a quarterback in the draft. Or in a year where you have no cap space and you are rebuilding, you actually draft a quarterback that is going to be young and cheap and you start this whole all these wheels in motion a year earlier when you're not expecting to compete. And then when you have the cap space next year, you come out with a young, cheap quarterback that has had a year to develop and the team is in a better spot than they were they were 12 months ago. That to me is the hardest part of this because option two sounds just a little bit better than option one right now. And I'll say this, man, this is one of our longest at the end of the days, but remember too, like you can, I can even give you the picture of this goes against sometimes what I've said, right? If only if you have conviction on a player, but you have to take your shots on quarterback, right? If you think that Malik Willis can be a franchise quarterback, you draft him, you run with him. And guess what? If it doesn't work out, you don't pick up his fifth-year option after four seasons, and you look to try to go back into the draft again, right? Like, this is what it is. The Giants have had incredible success drafting quarterbacks in their franchise, but now is the time when maybe you missed on the on the last one, and you got to try to go again and try to go again. We're only a handful of years away from young uh, one little uh, Arch Manning, you know, also I'm not saying I'm not talking about what we want to think about in that regard, but it will be interesting, man. It definitely is a scenario here that the Giants have to be willing to invest in, have to be willing to investigate in. And all of those factors that we talk about are going to play themselves out here as we move forward. I'll tell you right now, if I keep watching the tape and I keep feeling like Malik Willis is a guy that can be a pro ready quarterback a year from now inside the New York football Giants, there's no reason why they shouldn't be looking to take him at the top of the draft. We will, of course, keep coming in, keep breaking it down, and keep running scenarios. What if the Giants don't have any interest in Malik Willis? Andy's suggesting high-level smoke and mirrors from Joe Shane. Don't let anybody know what an obvious move it would be to take Malik Willis at five. We'll break that all down. You get us over on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, listen to the podcast where you get those dang needs fulfilled. And as Andy Mackowitz will always want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. Thank <laughs> you.